Hi, I can hear you. Hey, technology. <laughs> How are you? So good. So I always like to ask people, well, I just started asking this question. How was the process? Like, how was it? Are you on WhatsApp? Uh, you texted me through WhatsApp and then it opened up um, like on a Safari page on my phone. Okay. All right. And yeah. then it was yeah. pretty easy from there. Like, is it like literally just clicking on something? Basically, yeah. You put in your name, you put in your email and then uh, uh, choose like where your microphone is coming from and then oh. you're like connected. Okay. Okay. So this yeah, is a very new, simple. Uh, good. This is a new journey for me too. So listen, I do a little intro. I like to okay. incorporate it into my conversation and I'll welcome you in. Um, so hello, hello, lovely Tank here, aka your mama on a mission with another amazing episode where I like to bring women together to just share about our journeys and what we're learning along the way. And uh, hopefully like there's some nuggets within these conversations that can be of value to those who listen uh, now and in the future. And today I'm super excited and I do have my kids in the background. Let me just say this is real life <laughs> action, but I'm super excited to welcome a dear friend, uh, Marina Forrester. I've watched her grow and evolve for many years and I was excited to reach out to her because not only do I want to learn from her, I know that she has incredible life experience and just nuggets that she's learning in this season of her life that will be of great um, value to those who will listen. So welcome, welcome. Hello. Hi, hi, hi. <laughs> so where are you right now? I am literally sitting on my couch in my living room in Chiang Mai, Thailand. Oh my gosh. Now, do you live by yourself or like? What, yeah, where? yeah. So okay. I'm living in like, you could call it a studio apartment, um, but it like, there's a, a glass sliding door that divides the bedroom from the living room. Mm -hmm. So it kind of feels like a one bedroom apartment, but it's mm -hmm. this very small um, very modern, uh, like studio apartment. And it is just me. And, uh, it's like five minutes away from my school. It has a balcony. Uh, and one of my favorite parts is that the shower is not above the toilet. Oh, wow. <laughs> They're actually separated. Yay. I love that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, you know how, when you haven't seen someone for a long time, they're like stuck in the age that you like last saw them. So I'm pretty sure, for you're sure. Not, I know you're not like 16 or 17 for sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's uh, I'm yeah. 25 now. Gosh. So can you please uh, just, just share a little bit about, um, you know, who you are, a little bit about upbringing, and then I'm going to like weave in some specific questions just that I, you know, want to know, but I, um, not only for me to learn, but I just know that there's a lot of wisdom in there. But um, can you just share a little bit about like your family and you? And, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then what led you to make this decision? Sure, sure. And you can hear me no problem, right? Yeah, I can hear you just fine. Perfect. Um, so I don't even really know where to start, you know? So, yeah. Um, oh, go ahead. If you need me to be more like targeted, let me know. Oh, yeah. No, give me a target. <laughs> okay. So tell me a little bit. Okay. Tell me about just like family, mom, dad, siblings, like give yeah. a little bit of background on that. Okay. So I grew up in a five family household, uh, although it was not always that way until I was eight years old. And that's when uh, my, my parents, they had my second baby brother. So I have two brothers, uh, Michael. He is uh, 18 months younger than me. So if I'm 25, then he's 23. And in May, he'll be 24. And Maximus is uh, 16 now. And he will be 17 in May as well. Oh my yeah. gosh. I know. So that's pretty crazy. Yes. That is crazy. Grow up so quickly. Yeah. I know. And so you, um, you know, your parents uh, are together. You know, they've yes, been yeah, amazing. Yeah, it's awesome. And um, have had just, you know, I've, I've known, been involved or known your mom and your family for like, for sure over two decades probably you know wow. it's been a long time yeah 
Okay. I'm 40. Uh, th- I just turned 43. I moved to Pennsylvania, which is also when I met your mom, in 2001. Okay. Yeah, so we've been here for like a year or two at that point. Uh huh. And and so it's been it's been a lot of of history and time. Yeah. Hold on. And so anyway, so with your family, how like what did they? Okay, I have a couple questions because one is, I know that. Oh god. <laughs> I know. Mama on a mission. Wait. Yeah, can up, you man? believe I? I can't open that. Can you believe I have four kids? Holy moly. I am blown away, lovely. Like uh, what? Like. How this is just so crazy. I mean, I remember when like your your first was born, and you know I'm holding him in church, and now he's like a little man. I know, I know. Time waits for no one. Time it definitely no does not. But what I wanted to ask you, especially with you know my firstborn, and this um, fills into your parents and growing up. How did how did they number one help you to evolve in the mindset? Of becoming like um, what is it called? Almost in, in terms of athletics, because I, mm-hmm. I think of my son and he's great with soccer and what that means for a family, what that means for parents to cultivate that mindset in your ch- children when you're kind of creating elite athletes. Let's just say. <laughs> sure. So, yeah. Yeah. How did you? How did your parents help you navigate through that? Through you know all that. Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, So from a very young age, I was always involved in athletics in some way, shape or form. Um, And it wasn't until I found swimming that like everything kind of started to click. And that's when I was about eight years old. And you know, when your kid is eight years old and like between the ages of eight and like 11, you're, Mm -hmm. you're just trying to focus on them like moving as much as possible, getting out all their wiggles so that they fall asleep at night. Like, and and you're hoping that maybe in like that process, they really enjoy it. Um, and so that's what happened for me is that like swimming gave me this amazing outlet to express myself, um, and express my energy. And I'm not very like good on land. (laughs) So it was Mm -hmm. like, it was really nice to have uh, swimming. And so as Mm -hmm. that skill uh, was being cultivated, um, like at its peak, it was a, a very difficult time for our family because mm-hmm. when I started swimming, it was uh, eight years old. And by the time that it started getting serious, um, I was maybe like 11, uh, like 12, 13, 14 years old. So now I'm in like middle school, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm moving up with the older group. Um, but the time that I was in middle school was also during the recession and like mm. right before the recession. And so like, you know, here I am a like, you know, anywhere between 11 and 13 year old girl, like just coming into herself, just getting her yeah. period, like yes. figuring out yes. the hormone monster that, you know, yes. I didn't even realize I had at the time. And you, all of these things. And then also I'm realizing that my family is having a really hard time staying together. And mm-hmm. so that was a really tumultuous time. However, I yeah. feel like it helped give me, um, give me some strength to, and, and yeah. resilience, you know, because yeah. also my coach was not treating me well either. Um, mm-hmm. My swim coach back uh, in, in middle school and into high school a little bit, uh, he was very emotionally abusive. And, mm. and it was a very difficult time because my home life was falling apart. My, my like swim life was falling apart. And then I'm in middle school. Mm-hmm. And, and so then moving into high school, I, I decided that, you know, it was really, it was time for me to, uh, leave the team that I was on because it was no longer like benefiting me and then move on to a new team. And when I did that, it gave me the opportunity to grow. And mm. now here I am in this situation where, uh, before I started rowing, I felt like an absolute failure because I had quit my team and what in my mind felt like a quitting, you know, even though it was really making the best decision for myself. Um, mm-hmm. But here I felt myself quitting and that like I was failing and whatnot. And then I get into rowing and it is like everything clicked even like more perfectly than swimming. And so here's when my life started to get really, really, really competitive. And before that it was still very competitive with the swimming. 
Um, but now I was kind of playing in these like bigger leagues where mm-hmm. I was becoming a big dog in a small pond. And this is when things started to get really intense. And throughout this entire time, through the highs and lows of my athletics, uh, my parents were always overwhelmingly positive and and, uh, understanding and compassionate. Mm -hmm. You know, they never Mm -hmm. forced me to do anything that I didn't want to do. Yes, they were like, okay, Marina, you have to go to practice today. You didn't go yesterday, you know? And that's not forcing. That's just like, you made a commitment. You need to follow through yes. on your commitment, you know? And so they taught me a lot of that where, because, you know, if I wanted to bail, they were like, no, 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 no. Like, no, now let me ask you this do. though. Did you feel like that, like always looking back, we can see like the beautiful lesson in that, right? Mm-hmm. But in the moment, did you feel like that was love? Oh, of course not. <laughs> Of course not. You know, when you're a kid and your parents are telling you what to do, you're like, wow, I hate you so much. You guys are the worst. You're like ruining my life, you know? And I, you know, it's just, I I teach kids now, right? And so, and I teach grades four through six. And it's the same exact age grade, like age range I'm talking about here because you start to see how the personalities change and you are just reminded of uh, frontal lobe like maturation. <laughs> yes. yes. Because, like once you get older, you're like, oh my gosh, how was I ever that stupid? But like yes. when you think back at it, it's like, oh, my brain was literally not matured yet. And so there yeah. are plenty of mistakes that I made as a young athlete that like I could have easily avoided. And like, you know, I wish now that like with all of the knowledge that I have that I like could impart that upon myself, my, my younger self, you know, or my past mm-hmm. self. But to answer your question about my parents, like they made sure that, uh, you know, the second that I started really disliking swimming, you know, they were cautious. They were like, okay, what's up, what's going on? And mm. they listened to me. And that was so important. And I told them like, because like this, my family, my parents had created this beautiful bond of trust from a very young mm-hmm. age, um, even when I was like at my lowest point with swimming and really just so upset, um, I still felt comfortable enough to speak with my parents about how I truly felt because I knew that they were listening to me. You know, they never forced mm-hmm. me to do yeah. anything I didn't want to do. Like they would only encourage me more. Whatever mm-hmm. motivation they tried to give me was in the form of encouragement. And we came up with this mantra, or at least my parents taught me this mantra, which was that foresters don't quit. And I think that's one of like these really big things that has stayed with me. And that's why I yes. felt like I was such a quitter when I left my swim team. And also why I felt like I was a quitter when I left rowing a couple of years ago, because I have this mentality of always finishing what I started. Um, yeah. But I mean, I think in terms of like the elite athlete perspective, that's an incredible quality, you know, to mm, teach a child, yeah. like, no, you don't give up when the going gets hard. Like, no, you have to, like, if you start this season, you have to finish it because other people, your teammates are depending on you. That's an incredibly mm. invaluable lesson to teach a young child um, because then it teaches them accountability. It teaches them yeah. discipline. It teaches them um, you know, camaraderie, these sorts of yeah. things. And it kind of, it also helps them going further on into the workforce because what my uh, my father and I would always joke is that you know you learn more in the locker room about business right. and life than you do in the mm. classroom right you know yes. because you're working with people you're having to problem solve you're dealing with conflict like mm-hmm. you're dealing with inner conflict and inner inner team conflict so you're and and you're also having to deal with coaches and practice and school and like you the point being athletics is one of the best things that you can give your child um if they enjoy that you know because it teaches them so uh it gives them an incredible amount of value to like go into their uh older lives you know as they get older yeah i love that so much oh (sighs) it was speaking to me I love it. Well, I feel like you parent very similar, similarly to the way that my parents parent. 
Like you've got mm. this in Thailand, we say sabai, which means chill. So mm-hmm. I might say that, <laughs> but yeah, you, yeah. Have, you yeah. have this very sabai attitude, but it's like still ruling with an iron fist, you know? Mm, thank and, you. Yeah. Well, and I think that that is a great way to parent, you know, because if you're coming at it from this um, angle of love and compassion, but like, I'm still the leader, then mm-hmm. I feel like your kids fall in line very easily to that, you know? Yeah. Um, because you're following up your, your, uh, what's the word? Like you're following up your, uh, your rules and your limits and all of that. Yeah. You're, you're following up everything with love. Mm-hmm. And if you do things with love, then anything is possible, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. On, you know, it's That's so sandwich. But no, it's so- it creates trust, you know? Yeah. And so, and then it makes comfortability. And so when you have trust and comfortability, then honesty just comes secondhand. Mm. Well, that's why I was asking you too, because I, I mean, I, and I know even thinking back on my childhood where I remember moments where it did not feel like love. But mm-hmm. when I, I mean, I remember being in those moments, but now I look back and I'm like, thank God for that. Right? Yeah, yeah. My mom spanked me a lot of times. <laughs> yes. I don't know. That's like, I know that there's so much fire around that, but like, listen, no. we got spanked I, when we lied, you know? Yeah. And you have to train. I believe yeah. I say, boom. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't see what's so bad. <laughs> no. And it's so true. And it's like, it's all, um, like you said, it's that, that love. And it's even those teachers you think of, there's ones where, they were just not right and they were like cruel and then there was those Mm -hmm. ones that were firm and harsh but you know they loved you and you embraced the difficult um whatever you know consequences or uh, words that they had to say and with parenting to it it's um even though you i can look back on situations and remember like oh it felt like pain then but thank god for the lesson now as a mom, you st- you still feel like, oh my gosh, am I doing the right thing? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whatever, because you you see the pain <clears throat> or you see the um, discomfort, right? Like whether it's yeah. getting someone not to quit or whatever, you see the discomfort that they're in, but you're also holding to um, a philosophy that will have a greater impact later on but you right. got to trust. And I, I, I've actually have heard your mom say in the past, or her and I had been talking, just that sometimes you, as a parent, you don't know, but you're just trusting that the decision that you're making is is going to be the right one for your child, that you're helping them to make, you know? And, and Right. Yeah. And I think that any parent will say that, is that like you go into it and I, you're blind, right? My parents yeah. joke with, about me being like the first child and the only daughter that right. like, I have had all of the mistakes made on me. They're like, Marina, you're our test child. They're right. like, that's why we're so chill with Max, you know? Like, yeah. Max, he doesn't have any kind of restrictions. Like, his life is so chill. He gets yeah. to do whatever he wants. And yeah. I was, back in my childhood, it was like, Marina, you have to be home at 9 p.m. Like, yeah. you can't hang out with these boys. You can't hang out with these <laughs> yeah. people. Like, you know, everybody, make sure you have one hand and one foot on the floor at all times when you're hanging yes. out, like, with people. At home, you know, like no lights off, no locked doors. Like every yes. every imposition they could make, it was there, you know. Yeah. So I was like, yeah. I mean, that means I got myself into some good trouble, you know. But <laughs> yeah. you had to be creative and strategic. Exactly. And some things they still don't know. So yes, yes, yes. I always say, like, I, um, you know, kind of like had a little crazy fun in my you know youth youth um, <laughs> but I always and, and you probably were the same way too you can tell me I always kept myself aware enough because I, I mm. have always been ambitious right mm-hmm. and I, I tell parents now and, and I try to remember this is too when your kids are younger just keep talking even when they seem like they're not listening they are because there mm-hmm. were times when I was probably looking like I the last thing I wanted to hear was what my 
our dad or mom was saying. Absolutely. But I always remembered, especially when I knew that I probably was in a little bit of a risky situation, that if I would go too far, it would um, jeopardize, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever other goals that I had. So did you did you also kind of keep a little bit of that heightened awareness because <clears throat> I think mine maybe came in a different way and uh-huh. that way was in the way of me being such a large human. <laughs> so like you know what yes. it, maybe it wasn't like I was trying to preserve my ambition so much as I was trying to preserve my image because from yes. a young age you know, I mean, from the get, lovely, you know this, you, you watch yes. me grow up. I've always yes. been the biggest yes. girl in the room, you know, like yes. in size and stature. And like, you know, I'm not saying I'm fat, right? I'm just saying yes. I've always no. been like yes. a bigger build. I, I yes. make that clear because maybe our viewers, they don't, they don't know. For sure. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I know. Like, I was always taller than everyone. I was always stockier than everyone. Like I've always had this like very big body. And yeah. what happened is that I would always be called out for whatever issue came up so like you know someone gets hit like and someone starts crying it's marina's fault you know someone's being bullied it's marina's fault you know like someone did this it's marina you know and it's because i'm the biggest person in the room that i have a target on my back and then as i got older it was also that i was athletic and so not only was I becoming the biggest person in the room, but I was also becoming a very significant athlete in the community. And so that poses an even bigger, um, like then all the time, bang, bang, bang. I had people gunning for me constantly. I mean, yes. down, even down to my like senior year of high school, mm. I did not get the, the captainship on my swim team mm. because all of the girls thought, oh, well, Marina is going to be captain of her crew team, so she doesn't need to be captain of the swim team. Mm. And so they deliberately didn't vote for me for captain. Yes. Even though yes. it was something I thought, like, and not that it, I thought it was, like, a God-given right, but, like, I felt like I was a leader on my team, and I was thinking, oh, like, now I can be a real leader. And yes. then when it came to my yes. rowing, I was voted away from captainship by one or two votes because a girl, uh, a young, an underclassman was the cousin of another girl in my grade and was talking poorly about me behind my back to the rest of the team. And it cost me my captainship. And even when the other captain fell ill that year, and when, so this girl who, who had trash talked me, her cousin ended up becoming captain. Both of them, both of the captains that year ended up getting really, really sick and could not, and, and one of them could not captain and the other one had to captain mostly from afar, like they couldn't row. And so even in that, in that position, I was still not granted captainship, you know, like, so I've always had a target on my back, you know, that is something I've always been very acutely aware of. And so when I was going through high school, I wasn't always, I mean, my parents also had a big part in this, but like, I, you wouldn't find me at the parties. Like I wouldn't Mm -hmm. be out drinking on the weekends because Mm -hmm. I had swim practice, you know, or I had crew practice or I had a regatta. I had a a, a race, you know, a swim meet. And I was very, very tied to my athletics and they, my loyalty was there. And so if I was trying to preserve anything, it was my athletic prowess and also Mm -hmm. my image. Um, yes, but of course I did find myself in some great fun and yes. another thing I, yeah, I have to say, but I need to also give my parents some, uh, some credit here because you were talking about like, you know, sometimes when you took it too far, you were afraid of the consequences and mm-hmm. something my parents established at a really, really young age was, uh, a code word, an emergency mm-hmm. code word. And mm-hmm. We, I, I don't really know where this concept came from, but it was just like one day, I guess my father sat Michael and I down or sat me down and was like, listen, if you are ever, ever, ever in a situation where you feel like you are stuck or you are in serious trouble, like mm. you can't get out and you know, like maybe you've already lied to us and you, mm-hmm. like you are back into a corner, like, you know, a proverbial corner. Yes, yes. You may call us, use your code word, 
and we will come yeah. pick you up or send someone, send a Calvary if we have to, mm-hmm. to come make sure that you are safe and there will be no questions asked and there will be no consequences from this, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And that was something that I actually had to utilize uh, maybe twice during high school. <laughs> I definitely mm-hmm. remember one time, mm-hmm. but um, I had to use it once during high school and once during college. And both times my parents were incredibly, incredibly caring because the thing is, is as soon as they hear that, it's a, it's like go time, you know, it's, yeah. this it's is like, listen, now's not the, yes. Yeah. Yes. And that I think is so, so important. If we're going to talk about parenting and like great parenting moves and like wondering if you're ever doing the right thing is like creating that trust between your child and you that relate and, and really forging that relationship of listen do like here are our rules and you may break our rules and know that even if you break our rules we still love you coming back to the consequences being like um uh received with love you know or given with love uh I felt like that was something, and I want all parents to hear this because yes. I think that is a single-handedly one of the best, like rules and like or like you know notices that my parents could have given me when I was in high school. Because what it tells mm. me as a child is I love you unconditionally, mm. and even mm. if you break our rules, I will still love you. And there might be a consequence depending on how bad it was, but yes. I still love you and we'll get through this together. You know, you're not going to like it, but we'll get through this. That is so great. Yeah. Now, how when, when things were the most challenging and not being specifics on what made it challenging, how how did you um, develop? You mentioned the word resilience, but how did you maintain that resilience even in the thick of or the height of um, challenge in the home? I remember kind of growing up in that where I felt like I had no peace at home I was having some challenges at school and um, for me I found forensics um, at a young age well you know it found me it's a lot of story in between there but that became um, that and art Mm -hmm. my home right Mm -hmm. the thing that was like gave me peace purpose I was good at it you know all that but how did you maintain that like sanity uh, or cultivate that. Wow. So I have to say, and I have to admit, when I was younger, I had no kind of grip on mental health, right? Like mm-hmm. when you're a teenager, mm-hmm. you don't know anything about that. You know, you just know that you're yeah. feeling things. Um, and so I really think that the, even though the swimming was also bringing some stress into my life, just the mm-hmm. physicality of it, if you think about it, like, uh, uh, physiologically, I'm still getting all these endorphins, all of these like all this oxytocin, dopamine every time I work out. So I think that yeah. I was like filling when I was younger. I was like filling up my minimum like n- needs of like okay, this is at least getting me through some stress and whatnot. And when I was younger, I, I can't really say what I did to cope. But as I got older, you made it through. Yeah, yeah. Somehow <laughs> I made it through, and by the grace of God, you know, bless yes. us, I did it. And um, yeah, it happened. Uh, but I've had a lot of very trying times, you know, just even throughout uh, university and high school. Um, and it's really interesting because I'm thinking about what did I do to cope? And back then it was really just more. Uh, I think it was really just more working out, but. As I got older, and then after my, and once my parents' relationship got a lot better, um, my relationship with my mother improved a lot. And I finally was getting to this place where my mom and I could have very intellectual conversations. And I think yes. that a great deal of uh, my sanity came from these conversations because, you know, my mom has all this incredible insight. Like she's just this plethora of wisdom. And and we had created this relationship for each other where like I could be very open, you know, um, <laughs> like we could talk openly about relationships, intimate relationships, uh, like friendships and, you know, issues going on at school, all these things. And I felt very comfortable doing that. And so, you know, through her wisdom, she was able to impart it on me. And I think that that helps give me a lot of perspective. Uh, you know, Mm. at all of these stages in my life. And then as I've gotten older, um, I actually studied psychology. 
and I studied coaching and I studied nutrition. And so it was my goal to better understand like, what is this that my body is going through? Like, what is it that I'm putting myself through? And through psychology, um, I, I have this amazing professor at university who uh, specialized in neuropsychology. So how the brain works oh, wow. and wow. through these classes, I was really able to connect so many dots. So, so many dots of my life of like, oh, that's why I felt this way. And like, this is how mm -hmm. I overcame it. And like, you know, look that, look at that beautiful example of self-resilience that like, you know, I practice at one point in my life, you know? Um, and I guess maybe it comes back also to that mantra of like, Forsters don't quit. So even when mm -hmm. it gets hard, like I have to persevere to the best of my abilities. And I think that another great example of this is me traveling just like two weeks ago through yes. COVID. You oh, know. well, yeah, I wasn't even going to go there yet. <laughs> I was going to say, what gave you the um, courage to tr and share a little bit about like the process of getting traveling abroad for a handful of years? You know, like what made you make that decision? Yeah. So I was swimming for 12 years and then I rode for eight years and my whole identity was well tied into the athletic persona. And it came to a point after I had finished um, my eligibility through NCAA uh, in my fifth year at university that uh, rowing and I were not connecting as much as I thought we were. Um, and mm -hmm. I think that I had tried to like force um, this expectation I had put on myself from a very young um, like point in my rowing career that I was going to be professional. And then I started trying to train for that and I realized that it was not aligning with my true desires. So here I am now looking at like these two options. It's like, okay, I either stay in Philadelphia and row or I do something I leave. It's either I keep rowing and be miserable. Sorry, yeah. it's not even, we're not even in staying or leaving yet. It's either I keep rowing right. and stay miserable or I stop and try and figure out what it is that I'm also searching for. Because my heart was like, my heart was really in rowing, but like my heart was also in Philadelphia. It was like, wow, look at this. Like I finally have yes. all this time to expand because I'm not committed to a team anymore. Like, and I want to expand. My desire was, I want yes. to expand. And rowing felt still so narrow because it was this like mm -hmm. box I had put myself in for so long. So I made the departure from rowing and I went into a very, very deep and awful depression. And um, mm -hmm. this is kind of a cyclical thing that happens for me, but also like I was saying, physiologically speaking, um, you know, I was going from training like, I had started out, you know, NCAA, we're doing anywhere between 15 or 20 hours a week. And then I went from yeah. uh, like to train for myself. So then I was only training like five or six hours a week or no, call it 10 hours a week. So I was going from like 15 yeah. to 20 to like 10. And then I went to like one, you know, so mm. physiologically speaking, that's like saying that you're only going to fill up your phone to 50% like or you're going from 100% and then you're like no I'm going to just do my day on 50% and then you try and do your day on 10% right. it's not going to happen yeah you know you can't function yes um and so that was really hard and I just remember waking up this one day and I felt compelled to go look at the sunrise and this was after like maybe a month or so of a lot of internal turmoil and I watched the sunrise come up over this, like the beautiful center city skyline of Philadelphia. And the thought came to me, what does the sunrise look like on the other side of the world? Mm. And it was in that moment that I realized it's time to leave Philadelphia. Mm. And that was a thought that I had never that. crossed my mind before. I thought that I was going to be spending forever in Philadelphia because I love it to pieces, right? But I had realized right. that I had filled up all of the space. And like, you know, lovely, I, I'm not kidding when I say, when I would walk Gosh. from my door to like my destination, anywhere in the city, I could not walk from A to B without seeing at least two people I knew. You know, whether they right. came from university right. or they came from grade school or they came from sports or something like I yeah. know so much of Philadelphia, like my, my yes. network is there. My people yeah. are there, you know, yeah. and, yeah. and yeah. it just became so comfortable. And so like, uh, I just knew it, you know, it, it was, 
yeah. recognizable. I knew exactly how to like get through the city and how to act and behave. And like, you know, I know Philadelphia, like the backside of my hand. And then I realized I've, I've exceeded my amount of expansion at this time in Philadelphia yes. and I am bursting to go move for more. I need to go make bigger, you know, and I need to expand. Yeah. It's not like my space, but it's my mind. Yes. Oh, for you sure. Know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, what is it like to assimilate to a culture that is completely opposite of the one that I've been raised with? What is it like mm. to try and communicate with people who can't even speak English? And this, we're not talking mm. like a love language, a, a Latin language like Spanish or French, because those you can get away mm -hmm. with. But I'm talking a tonal language where you mm. don't know any of these words. Like, you know, how far are we going to get? And that is what that like little seed turned into a big, big sunflower for me. And I just wow. became so consumed with this idea of like, And I've always loved Asia. My grandparents will tell you that, that when I was younger, they asked me, where do I want to go in the world? And my answers were China and Egypt. And mm. you know, when, when in the early 2000s is also when a lot of our ministry was adopting Chinese babies, you know, um, because yes. of yes, the yes. genocide that was also ev like evidently happening in mm -hmm. China. So... Uh, yeah. That was on my mind from a very young age. Uh, Asia was always on my radar. And then I did mm -hmm. my research about like backpack traveling, like cheap traveling. And I had also had a, a couple of friends who had already been traveling. And so Southeast Asia was on my radar. And I was like, okay, well, I can do this. This is very affordable traveling. And like, here is that part of the world that I'm looking for that is the complete opposite of what America is. This is that Eastern culture. I was like, I'm gonna go eat, pray, love my life, you know? <laughs> yes, yes. Gosh. And so obviously that has been a, a journey in and of itself, like um, physically, but also emotionally, yeah. because like I was thinking about in life um, with every, uh, you know, have you, well, Eat, Pray, Love, Melissa mm -hmm. Gilbert, right? Mm -hmm. Is her name? So she's, um, I've also read, I haven't read that book, but I've seen the movie, but I've um, read Big Magic. Mm -hmm. And in that book, um, She talks about a, a poop sandwich, S-H-I-T sandwich. I don't know if you've heard her use that phrase, but basically with everything, there's like a good and a bad, right? There's the beautiful, what you can have a best selling book or you can, uh, for me, have for amazing children, you know, but everything has its uncomfortableness, right? right? Where you got to go through no matter what and but it's for the good. I mean, it's just good. It's just part of it. So once you uh, had the idea and then you did it and then life hits, mm -hmm. did you, like, how did you navigate? You don't have to be, you know, it could be as specific as you want, but did you feel like you had made a mistake or did you feel like... At any point while traveling? At any point where obstacles come, oh, yeah. right? Because we can't always predict what the challenge will be that will right, greet us right. any choice we make even though it's a progression mm -hmm. so for me I like to say I have a studio business like I had uh, many small steps along the way and then storefront business which is like for sure on the outside is like yes mm -hmm. but I know all the challenges that come mm -hmm. with that right but it it's, but that's part of that growth that's part of that expansion Absolutely. so um, how'd you lean into I that I love a challenge, lovely. <laughs> like, I love challenges. And I think that's like my competitive nature. And um, my father has put it so perfectly. He's like, Marina, you are not bothered by situations. Like, you're not in bothered by environment mm -hmm. or situations so much as you are bothered by people. <laughs> and I was like, that cannot be more mm -hmm. true because, like, right. <laughs> I... I You know, I've been in very unfortunate situations while I've been traveling and I've been able to make the absolute best of it, you know, and it's just, mm. it's, it's, you have, when you travel, you have to look at things from a, from the perspective of the place that you are in and, and yeah. when you can do that and when you can like 
refrain from projecting our Western ideals and, and logic on an Eastern culture or a culture that is completely different from our own. And that could be anywhere from an, any African culture or any Middle Eastern culture, you yeah. know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah, yeah. If you can refrain from imposing your Western ideals, then you can make a lot better sense of a situation when you're in it because they're not working mm. off the logic that you're an American. They don't care. People don't, lo locals don't care that you're American. The, they operate the way mm -hmm. they operate as their own country, you know? And so yeah. Yeah. if a bus is 30 or 45 minutes later than it said it was scheduled to, then everybody just like relax, tranquila, okay? Because like the bus will come yeah. eventually. And if that bus happens to have you know, a bunch of chicken and livestock and smell like fish. Well, that's just how it is, you know? And yes, that's yeah. an obstacle. And that could be a, a breaking point for a lot of people. But those are those moments when I sit there and I'm like, yo, this is really awesome. Mm. <laughs> like, this is kind of crazy and I really love it. Um, but I hope I don't have to sit on this bus for a really long time, you know? Right, 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 right. <laughs> I, I actually have a yes. story. So I was on one of these said buses and I was traveling in Cambodia and I'm traveling by myself throughout my entire travels. I've been by myself. I haven't traveled with anyone. And um, mm. so here I am in Cambodia. I don't know Khmer uh, or Khmer and uh, I only know hello and goodbye. And I'm sitting next to these guys. I had an open seat next to myself when we started the journey. And then these guys got on with like a dead motorbike and they are partying, you know, they're raging and they sit next to me. So we like stop at a, a rest station and they picked up like, like they're ordering from through the window and they ordered like 20 beers. And this guy like hands them right. a bag of like 20 beers through the window and they hand them money, you know? And I'm just sitting there in the crossfire. Yeah. Like, what is going on? Yeah. And uh, they offer me a beer. And so here I am speaking no Khmer, like at all. I can't communicate with these people, but you know, we're talking through sign language. Yeah. Like, we're cheersing to each other. We're drinking beer. Like we're trying to uh, communicate through yes. Google Translate. Like we're having a great time, you know, and we're all just laughing. And yes. that is beauty, lovely. That is a situation mm -hmm. where, uh, you know, mm -hmm. I have been on the bus. I had made this travel now like for 10 hours, you know, uh, not this specific one travel, yeah. but I had been on this road now a sure. total of 10 hours while I was like traveling through Cambodia. And this yes. bus ride was going to be like seven hours long. And I knew that I had to like hang with these guys for that entire time. And the bus yes. smells like it smells like fish. It smells like chicken. Like there are, is a goat right there. You know, there's a broken motorcycle yes. in the middle. <laughs> the seats are janky. Like, you know, the glass is broken. Yes. This is a situation where people could be like, all right, I'm tapping out. I'm going home, you know? But I'm yes. like, oh, oh, no, let's just oh. see where this goes. I'm just going to like read a book on my phone and then make some BFFs with these Khmer guys that are just stupid drunk, yes. you know? And like, hey, let's have a great time. I love it. Yeah. Now, are you writing a book by chance? Uh, I think like down the line, I'm really trying to work on my writing right now. And because I have, I just, mm -hmm. I have so many stories, like just so much has happened. So much, so many beautiful things have happened, but it's like, every time I start writing, I will write for like an hour mm -hmm. or two and then still feel like I haven't even scratched the surface. <laughs> for sure. Can I give you, can I give you a, um, a little uh you and and know that i'm giving this as i'm working yeah. to do this as well but something that's easy and will probably work well for you is <clears throat> even on, okay so number one and this is for anyone listening as well number one amazon um has where you can mm -hmm. self-publish and it's called um oh you know my friend has published a book this easy. way yeah, but what I was going to tell you is just do, um, number one, you can either do an audiobook where you could just talk it all out or you can just talk it out and it'll go straight to print. But you can just do that in your own notes as well because sometimes what happens is, you know, we're in the moment. Like even now you're telling me this incredible story. You can, um, 
if you have the thought yourself, you can just talk it into your phone into notes and let it translate into words and just keep snippets and then copy and paste yeah, it when you're ready. Dictation is good, right? Like it's smart AI. Yeah, but here's the thing: you got to uh, say period. Yeah, you, have to you know what I mean? <laughs> uh. Or just spit it out, or not even like uh, say, for example, you're not worrying about having the right. Um, you know, punctuation and grammar, all that. Now you're just trying to document it for yourself for when you're ready for that point. Just speak it out onto into okay. notes or an audio text or whatever and get it written. And then that will cut your time down in half because, um, or, or more than that. Um, because I'm listening to your stories and when I can catch some pictures, I'm like, I want to know the backstory to <laughs> yeah, the picture. Yeah. And I feel like I saw the pic. Did you take a picture with the guys? I feel like I, I saw I that. Have. A picture. I may have actually, yeah. I'm not sure. I know you've you've had a you've, you've had a um a cool long journey, but I um I've been able to capture moments of it and be inspired um just by the courage. Like when I think of you, I think oh, of courage. And that is um such a great uh, mm. muscle to have a great character to have um, now if you for for young ladies um, women who are not <clears throat> you know uh, committed where they're they're kind of in a situation where they cannot uh, leave or whatever but what advice would you give to anyone who maybe hasn't taken that step to mm-hmm. live yet yeah right so you had the choice to play it safe. Oh, oh I would never or... play it safe. Oh my goodness, no. Don't play it safe. That's my biggest advice. But uh, if like, I guess it depends on the way this uh, a person um, defines like taking a risk or taking that big leap. And yes. I'll speak in the context of traveling, right? Um, because this is what I've been doing for, for the last couple of years now, um, is to travel in your own backyard. You know, we are, we come from an amazing country. And if being in Southeast Asia has taught me anything, it's how incredible the landscape and the nature and the environment of the United States is. Because I think like, oh my gosh, it's so beautiful over here. But it is also so beautiful in states like Montana and in Arizona and like, I don't know, Colorado. Like, here are these random states that yes. we don't even think of that have all of this beauty, have all these natural parks and stuff, national parks. Um, go explore those. Take a small trip, you know, hop in your car, grab a girlfriend if you're afraid of going on your own um, uh, or, or your dog, maybe or your pet. And just go and just, you know, say, all right, we're going to travel five or six hours from here and see where we end up. Or like, we're going to go camping in the Appalachians or the Rockies, you know, um, explore your backyard. If, if traveling overseas scares you or you don't have the means to do it, um, because there's so much, there's actually quite the abundance, you know, just waiting for you to play with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. And would you, if you could, um, do you have like a favorite word? You did say a quote or something earlier, but do you have a favorite word or mantra that you would like to share? It could be the same oh, one, wow. but would it? Um, let me know. So, like, my Instagram handle is Brazen Travel Thoughts. And that was something that mm-hmm. came to me when I was like first starting out, like, you know, switching over my, my main Instagram to be like a travel-esque one. Um, and brazen mm-hmm. was the word that came to me. And I looked it up because I was like, mm. I want to make sure that I'm like defining it correctly. And I'm not, I'm pulling this off the top of my head. I don't have a dictionary in front of me. But brazen, the sure, definition sure. of brazen is basically someone who like does things out of the box and does them, like you said, with courage, does things like out of the box courageously. And we'll take a chance um, or we'll speak out and is unapologetic in doing so. This is what Brazen says to me. And that is the way that I want to lead my life. I want to do everything without an apology, without a regret, you know, and, and do it confidently. And that's how I try to, you know, step through life is brazen with, with a brazen and courageous step. Yeah, I love that. 
Yay. Well, for my final question, is there anything that you've ever wanted to ask me or that you would like to ask me? No pressure. I just like to open that up. I love that. I know. Oh, we can do week two. We can do what? (laughs) I'm joking. Yeah. You know, I said, oh, we could do podcast number two if you yeah, need time let's to do think. Podcast number yeah. two, but I, you know, I have, I have to say, lovely. I think it is so incredible that you just opened up your studio. I, I know you and my mom are very close, and uh, we haven't been so close in the last mm-hmm. few years. And I didn't know that opening up a studio was something you wanted to do. So watching you have baby yeah. number four and open up a studio, well, you open up a studio and then have baby number four and then also like have this flourishing studio. Yeah. I I want to give you a big round of applause, my girl, a big oh, round of applause because I thanks. am so proud of you. I think that that is so amazing. And it's also kind of like you're reinventing yourself halfway through your life, you know? And uh, yeah. I think that that is yes. just so incredible. I'm go and do that thing that you love, you know? Like I, if, you know, and maybe this is also for anyone who needs to hear it, but like, we don't need to be on the hamster wheel, yes. you know, we do not have yes. to run the hamster yes. wheel. We have 100% the ability and the power to make the life that we want to live and to like live happily. We uh-huh. have that power as individuals. And I feel like you have just embodied that spirit so, so incredibly. So I want to speak your accolades just for just a minute and really just appreciate you and honor you. So, and thank you for having me here as well. It has been my pleasure and a joy. And um, I feel blessed to have had this time. And it's, it seems so right on time because we've been a part of each other's journey from either together or apart live two different tracks but to be able to connect now like on such a soul level um right isn't it great when kids grow up so (laughs) my dad he says uh you know that he's like you raise your kids their their whole lives just to like wait for them to leave and then they leave and then they become super cool and all you want them to do is stay Yeah, 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 right? So don't worry, parents. <laughs> Your kids will end up being cool one day. <laughs> Just give them love. Just give them love. Give them love yeah. and time, right? Yeah, love that's and exactly time. It. Well, I love you and it's been an honor and a pleasure. And once I um, kind of edit and all that fun stuff, I'll probably either air this tomorrow, uh, today or tomorrow. Oh, and fantastic. I'll send you the link. To Thank share you so well. much, lovely. I super appreciate it. Thank you. I love you. My pleasure and continued success to you. Hopefully we can do this again soon. All right. Love you. We will. All right. Bye-bye. See you. Bye-bye.